Well, this is a difficult day, um, and it seems like we keep having difficult days. So I was saying earlier this week that it was difficult. Um, you know, we have big things happening in the news and big events that the world is paying attention to and that our communities are paying attention to. And that just keeps coming. And then we have personal things happening. I was sharing uh, this week, just running in, thought walking my dog and running into a neighbor. And she came up to, to my dog and me and, and had tears in her eyes. And she said, well, Toby, Toby can only smell Lily Bean scent in the yard because Lily Bean, we died this, like a week ago. And that was Toby, one of Toby's special girlfriend dogs. And, uh, she was old, but she was a beautiful dog. And I, and it was, I could, her mom was, um, couldn't talk about it very much. It was so, it was, you know, that was her, had been her dog for such a long time. And, um, and I realized then, you know, that all these troubling times and personal times, they're all going on all at the same time. All of us have our, now I'm a dog person, so, and my dog's old. So when someone else who has a dog and they tell me their beloved pet died, uh, that's the, that'll be the thing that gets to me most immediately, right? Uh, and so we're all, but we all are, we're all surrounded by everything in our own personal lives going on and happening. At the same time, we want to feel connected and open our hearts to the situations in the world and the situation with little uh, AJ in this community. And um, I don't, I haven't been watching the news or anything, but uh, Tessa told me this morning that there's more stuff that's been in the news about kind of the horrible conditions that that child was uh, dealing with and other horrible things about that situation. So it just cracks hearts open more and more. We're finding out more. If you, if you, if you're watching the news, we find out more about the suffering. Um, that the, that the whole family was involved in. And, um, it's, it doesn't make anything easier. But I think what it can do if our hearts are open is for us all to know that we're in the same boat. And our, what we can, we make, don't dismiss your own, the events in your life that you're dealing with because someone else's is greater. You know, we can't gloss over our own sadness in our own lives because if we deal with them, then we'll be able to get through it. So dealing with our own, what we might think of as, well, my, you know, my sad, little sadnesses aren't as great as this huge sadness somewhere else. But if we don't deal with our own broken hearts and our own sadness, then we won't be there to help deal with it when, when it's a bigger hurt that's coming from the rest of the world. We need to keep our hearts open to ourselves, which is part of why we practice loving kindness to ourselves. And we keep our hearts open to ourself 
so we can keep it open to the rest of the world, which is not easy. It's, and sometimes we feel like we have to repress what's happening in our lives because someone else's pain is greater. But we all need to be sure we're dealing with our own sadness. When I was talking to Tessa, she has a little, a very small child, and so her heart's so open to hearing about anything happening to a child that I'm sure it's breaking her heart all the time. But she's, and all of us who are mothers understand that. All of us who have children who are friends, or we have children in our community, we we all have a. a we all have our own personal distance from these things, right? So some of us may feel um, we're, I don't know what that is, but it's sort of delightful little announcement. <laughs> it's a nice sound. Um, we, we all have our own personal, you know, we're, some of us are much closer to one issue and some, the rest of us have a little bit of protection like maybe our children are older and so we don't feel quite as totally cemented to them so we have a little bit of a feeling we can put a little distance and if we don't know anybody from Sri Lanka we can put more distance when we hear about the terrorism there but then uh, what's happening in our worlds is we're all getting so close to everything and we know here, we all have a connection with Sri Lanka because that's where our teachers are from. And so, darn it, that means that we feel personal connections to the people in that country. And sometimes we don't, we don't, sometimes we choose to be isolated rather than to feel the pain and the suffering of the world. And so, uh, it's important for us to keep our hearts open. And when there is sadness in the world, we can, it's, we can be open to it. And I think we have to be witness to a lot of things where we can't actually change things or make things different. But it's important that we witness it and that we, we know what's happening. So now uh, we have Mark Gesso, who's, who uh, uh, many of you know if you're part of the temple, Mark and Rebecca and their daughter Arwen, and Mark has just recently uh, is in a chair. You may have, if you don't know him, you may have seen him in his fully automated, wonderful chair that does all kinds of incredible things. But Mark and Rebecca came to this temple uh, right after. I think it was right after they moved here and were in the community. And uh, I have a special story about how I met them because. We, we had movie night for a while. I think it was right after we bought this building. So we were, is Nancy May here? Well, Nancy had the idea to, why don't we do a movie night? And I think it had been done, hadn't it, Bill, back earlier? And, and so it's one of those ideas, it's a great idea, and then people don't, you guys even had popcorn, right, for movie night. <laughs> so it came up again, and, uh, and so I got to be the person who was going to be the movie night person. And so I got to pick the movies, which was good. So we had, uh, that night was one of our, maybe the first or second of our movie nights. 
And I'll tell you, this experiment didn't last very long because the only people who ever came were Arlen and, and Mark and Rebecca. And they had never been to the temple, and they, they thought, oh, this might be a comfortable way to like go and check it out. And so it was the three of them, and Arwen was a little girl. I think she fell asleep in Rebecca's lap right away. And it was a beautiful documentary, and I have can't remember at all what it was, um, a Buddhist film and a lovely, lovely movie. And um, it was the three of us. And so I got to know, I thought, what a lovely couple, and Arwen was really cute and just... You know, it would have been a movie that might have bored a kid, but she just politely fell asleep. And, was, and we had a wonderful conversation, and, and I just enjoyed getting to meet them so much. And I didn't know if I'd ever see them again because they hadn't been to the temple. And then they, they started coming to the temple. That was the one, that was the thing that happened that made them feel perfectly okay coming in the doors. And they have been involved and so active ever since. And Rebecca's on our board. And the, she and Mark would always be at the events. They'd, were, they'd be in the cleanup crew, you know, at the, at the end of events, back when we had the old kitchen, and uh, always volunteering and always uh, helping. And then out of nowhere, Mark, well, Mark had had some back issues and back surgery, but he was still he had a uh, he was still active, and uh, then they took a vacation to Scotland and England I think, and it was the first time that we had seen Mark using uh, crutches, walking crutches, and he began to have just uh, he had a mysterious suddenly kind of out of nowhere had a very mysterious and uh, debilitating. Uh, disease, but nobody could diagnose it. The doctors didn't know what it was, and it just seemed to get worse and worse. And um, and now Mark is is in the hospital, and he's in a coma right now. And so we don't know what's uh, we don't know what's happening right now. And it it it's. It has been it has been such a difficult journey because they have had so many setbacks and things get better and then a setback. It's just been a roller coaster. And do, they have very good doctors now, and they think they know what they're working with, but it's a very rare condition, and it's very unpredictable. And so, um, I mean, there are a lot of us who are just our hearts are sort of. We're holding our hearts carefully. So the monks, we're all going to go this afternoon and and uh, and be with him and chant with him because Rebecca asked ask us to. So please keep your thoughts with him. But they are um, they are definitely our family, and uh, even even as sick as Mark has been, Rebecca works on the board tirelessly. And she and Marty coordinate the Taste of Sri Lanka. And there are so many of you who help, Bill, and everybody who helps with that. And Rebecca's like an incredible organizer. And she's she's also coordinating uh, Buddha Day. 
and uh, and apologize for not making our meeting this morning that we have. So that's the kind of person Rebecca is. That she is she is uh, she finds comfort in her volunteer work, but she also works full time in the city, and she has a teenage daughter. She is a, a remarkable person. And this is probably the very hardest time that that their family has had, I'm sure, in this the many years of uh, what they've been going through. So we we can't our our tragedies can't stay in the distance. <laughs> they can't just be on the news. You know, they they're going to keep coming home to all of us. So I guess what I want to say is. It's important for us to experience these things and not think we have to be Stoics. A lot of times people think of the Buddha as a Stoic philosopher. And, uh, you know, that we've got to be, uh, that we've got to be, uh, just kind of, uh, unemotional and, uh, that the Buddha thought about suffering, that, you know, everything that the Buddha talked about was about deal with your emotions, don't express them. And that's not really what the Buddha taught. The Buddha was probably more like a pragmatist. But the Buddha really was teaching, the read he talks about suffering is because human beings suffer, and we don't want to, we want to be happy. And the only way we can learn to be happy is to let go of our attachments. It doesn't mean we let go of people we love. It means we let go of grasping onto them because everything that's conditioned is something that we eventually have to let go of because we're not permanent, our lives aren't permanent. You know, we all know that life ends. But it's also a part of our philosophy or viewpoint that there is rebirth, and um, I've been—I was thinking about this before everything came up with Mark and Rebecca. Um, rebirth is really an important part of the Buddha's teachings, and sometimes we try to water his teachings down so much to make him acceptable to everybody in the world that we leave out that there are some things that are very important that are part of what, what the Buddha taught. And there are many of you who come to Blue Lotus and, and you are always welcome. And you may have different spiritual beliefs about whether you believe in rebirth or, uh, or what your beliefs are. But the Buddha taught rebirth. And if we, and if we study the teachings of the Buddha, it's an important part of, of not only the precepts, but of the Eightfold Path and the Four Noble Truths. Truce, because the the whole uh, belief in cause and effect and what we call kama, all of our intentional actions, it includes our speech and includes our thoughts, but all of the intentional uh, parts of us, when we when we say something or when we're thinking something or when we act. So our speech, that's part of why our speech is so important. Everything that's intentional goes, goes forward. It's always ahead of us. It's always, uh, whether it's skillful or not skillful, skillful. That's our comma. That action 
Just like the when we talk about uh, uh, our sec- the second page that we chant, our states of mind and our, our uh, everything we do, we're either uh, our actions are either dragging dragging behind us like uh, an ox pulling a cart, or or they're lightly being a shadow that kind of is a, a friend forever. So all of our actions are part of cause and effect. So they're part of this circle of samsara. And so that's the part of us. Uh, Chogyam Trungpa would always said that, that the only part of us that is in, is that uh, part of us that's reborn are those, is our kama. It's just those actions. So it's just the things that either have to be balanced out positively or have to be balanced out if it's an, if we're carrying forward negative actions, negative comma, it's we have to it, eventually it all has to be balanced. That's part of that when the Buddha talks about balance in the middle way, that's part of it. We're trying to um the way we find happiness is to try to more and more find that balanced place where we're not creating negative karma. And eventually, when we, if we, when we become enlightened, we won't even be producing uh, positive or skillful karma. We'll just be perfectly balanced. And I can't, it's hard, I can't even imagine what that would be like because I'm so far away. But, but I can read about it, and I and so many of the other things that the Buddha has taught that I've read about and that I've pra- that I have experienced and practiced, so much of it works, and so much of it makes a huge difference. That that I have faith in some of the things that I haven't experienced personally. So that place of being perfectly balanced, where we're not creating anything negative and we're not producing anything. Uh, Positive either. We are just perfectly balanced. The positive is just if there are enlightened people in the world, I think they exert a lot of uh, good, they radiate goodness. So the Buddhist teachings weren't to be Stoics. They were to be, to how do we find true happiness? Because otherwise we, we find more suffering in our lives. So our true happiness is to love the people we love, but don't cling to them. Understand the nature of this world. And that is that all conditioned things are impermanent. That the quality of suffering exists in all conditioned things, because when we cling to those things, we suffer when we lose them. Even if we're clinging to the taste of our... uh, say the cooking smells, maybe you cling to the taste of the last wonderful Sri Lankan meal you had. So you're clinging to that, ooh, I hope the food today is as good as it was at taste of Sri Lanka, or as good as it was the last lunchtime. And then if the food today isn't that good, if you keep clinging to that old taste, you're going to be disappointed in the food today. But if you don't cling to the old, but you can approach this as, ooh, wonderful, let's have Sri Lankan food and enjoy it, then there's no suffering. Now, it might be a lot better. Then you'll be, then you'll be wanting it to be exactly, you know, it, 
like the next time you might suffer. Oh, I hope it's as good as it was May the 4th or whatever today is. So we create little bits of suffering just because of that kind of thing. We, we love, we like something, we desire something, that's fine because that's an emotion. We don't change those. But if we desire something and then we start grabbing for it, looking for it so we can hang on to it, that's when we suffer. Because we may find something that we think is just perfect. And we know when that happens, usually things change. Always things change. They might get better, they might get worse. But we know that nothing stays the same. So it's the clinging. It's, it's the clinging to things that cause us to suffer. And when we can start letting go of that, then we're able, if we work with the Eightfold Path, to find true happiness. So even when things seem at their worst and the saddest and we feel like we might be losing someone or we think that they may be going through just another difficult, difficult time with a slow recovery, we, if we, we have to feel the emotions of that, but then we have to know, okay, this is samsara, things are not permanent. I think Mark's illness must be, for that family, the, the, the most profound teacher in their lives of how things change. With his condition, things change from one minute to the next. And they, they have used it as a good teacher. So what we have to do with our lives is to have these situations and to recognize their teachers when we are sad, we, you know, we should embrace that sadness. And if we recognize it and allow it in, then we can allow it to move through us. And eventually the sadness goes. But if we, if we try to be too stoic or to think, I'm, I'm Buddhist, I'm not supposed to feel this, then we're missing the point. We're humans, we do feel it. But what the Buddha was teaching was a way to work with all of these human conditions so we could also find true happiness. So now we have happiness. <laughs> happiness comes in the door. And we needed that. I needed that. 